everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of SpoilerCast for Top Gun Maverick. Yeah! Woo! You're joined today by myself, Matt Rushton's back for an episode, yes, you lucky is. devils. Yay. Yay! And with me, the usual suspects, we have Mr. Drew Toynbee. Hello there. And Mr. Ross Harmston. Hello! Andy is currently enjoying a vacation with family, so I hope you're having a wonderful time, Andy. Thank you for moving aside so I can come back. Yes, as I said, this is a double drop day, you lucky people. Not only are you getting our sequel pitch for Top Gun, you are getting the spoiler cast for Top Gun Maverick. Now, before we dive into this, of course, if you want to go and listen to our versions, our sequel pitches, our sequel ideas for the original Top Gun... Do pause us here, come back, and then join us for the spoiler cast. As usual, we'll give our spoiler-free reviews and thoughts, and then we'll dive into the depths and really get chewing on this uh, flight of fancy that is Top Gun Maverick. So if you did pause us, welcome back. We are going to dive straight in. I'm going to throw it over to the floor and discuss your feelings, your overall thoughts on that epic that we've just come out of the cinema watching. Ross, thrown over to you first of all. Um, without spoilers, I thought it was great. I thought it was one of the best films of the year. Um, I couldn't have been any more opposite of what I thought, <laughs> uh, as you've probably, hopefully, listened to in the sequel pitch main episode, uh, of what I thought about the original. Uh, I think the total opposite of the sequel. Um, I think it's a rip-roaring adventure. It makes you feel a lot of the, you know, the feeling of feeling like you're in a cockpit with Mm. Tom Cruise in between his crotch, Uh, (laughs) just sitting there. You're going left, right, up, down. I'd imagine in a 4DX cinema, you would be feeling very sick uh, after (laughs) seeing this. But it, it... it evolves a little bit from the original. It gives more character stuff for Tom Cruise to work on. And, and yeah, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's my spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. Excellent. Drew? I have seen everyone in everyone on Twitter and seemingly in the world who's managed to see this movie before us just absolutely going bananas for this movie and it's fully a hundred percent deserved i there are a couple of things that for me personally didn't didn't allow it to live up to the hype that i was expecting but only by like the tiniest degree tom cruise is magnetic he's got real depth to the character Everyone does a great job. There are some hissable baddies who who are douchebags, but in a great way. There are good performances all round. And the, as Ross said, the aerial sequences are absolutely spectacular. And the bits that you can see they shot for real are mind-blowing. It's, it is, completely agree with Ross, it's absolutely one of the best movies of the year. I had an absolute blast, and everyone should see it. There you go. And, yeah, for me, what can I say that the boys haven't said already? Uh, 
you'll notice I wasn't on the Top Gun episode. Um, I perhaps enjoy Top Gun, the original movie, a little more than uh, my compatriots here. But yeah, it is, it's the perfect blender. Like, this movie can stand on its own two feet, absolutely. You can be very proud of the movie it is. It's such an epic, like, one of, some of the best action sequences I have ever seen in cinema. The tension that it creates, and like I say, the filming in the cockpit just adds a unique element to this film that you're not going to get anywhere else, really. Um, yeah, it's nigh on perfect in a lot of ways. It does have perhaps maybe a couple of little things that it can tweak and improve on, but you can't take away from what an absolute epic this movie is with a lovely little kind of hint and sprinkle of homage throughout it as well, referring back to the original. So yes, it is an absolute must-see. It seems very clear that when we're going to do these scores, this is going to get a recommendation. But do, <laughs> gentlemen, offer me your scores whilst coming back to you first. Uh, I think, yeah, echoing what I said, I think because the, uh, that I enjoyed it personally, it is going to get five sweaty Tom Cruise is playing American <laughs> football out of five on a beach. So, yeah, perfect score for me. There you go. That is quite the shift around, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Drew, coming to you. I'm a little torn because all I can think is, did I enjoy this more than Flash Gordon, which I gave a five? And I definitely did. <laughs> and so whilst I got... An, oh, yeah, by the way, we're recording in, in my car. Uh, all on one mic, so that's why we maybe sound a little bit different than we normally would on one of these. As I was walking to the car, I was set on giving it 4.9. There are a couple of things that don't sit quite right with me about the movie, which we'll get into in the spoiler bit. However, everything that it does right makes it a, a 5. It is a 5... Five obligatory late in the game running shots of Tom Cruise out of five. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so because I wasn't on the Flash Gordon episode either, uh, I don't have to justify my score against <laughs> other movies with potentially questionable scores. But hey, that's another time for another conversation. I am going to give this. So if you want an epic action film that may be a bit light on some of the layers, this is a 6 out of 5. This is <laughs> such an incredible movie. You have to go and see it. My score now is only for what we're going to talk about later, and it is not detracting from the enjoyable experience of this film at all, but this is how it would be the perfect film for me when we discuss it. So on that note, I am going to have to detract something because it does lack a little flavour. So I'm going to give it 4.75 out of 5. Okay. 4.75 questionable age of failures uh, out of 5. <laughs> so that means off the off the dome that's using using our three scores as an average it's going to come in at so, like 4.91 or yeah something close to that 4 4.8 something 4.9. Very very good. 
but you have to go and get your tickets to see this in the cinema. And to to emphasize, this is a cinema experience movie. Absolutely, yeah. Once you have to go and see this in the cinema to get the full experience. So thank you, gentlemen. With that, spoiler warning alert. For, spoiler alert for a spoiler cast. I don't know why, <laughs> but we're going to do it anyway. We are now going to start dissecting this film a little bit more, really diving into the uh, to the body of it. So there is going to be a lot of spoilers coming up now. You know the game by now. You've seen and you've heard our spoiler cast before. But with that, let us jump in right to the very beginning of this uh, two-hour madness. How do we feel? How do we feel it opened? I mean, I was, I, I was absolutely, I was so sure that for a minute they had accidentally put in the reel for Top Gun One. Yeah, like it's, it is beat for beat exact. The music cues, the um, the 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 shots, the way they come in, the way it transitions to Danger Zone, um, just it's it's an incredible statement of intent. It is. A, a marvelous bridge from the first movie straight into the second one. If it, it, I feel. I wonder if that was put there so that you can watch them back to back, and it will feel like they're even more connected than they obviously are through themes and and characters and actors. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I am. Um, it was it definitely felt eighties, and I think that's that's the key thing that they. I think brought to this the sequel like they want to keep the fact that it you know has that 80s vibe mm. to it and i think it worked really well like to start it because everyone's going to be like oh my god they got the same music oh my god member member <laughs> uh so i think um that was really good yeah yeah and let's kind of just take a moment talking about that as i said in in the spoiler free section it, there is a lot of homage to the first movie and sometimes homages can come with a real cliche feel and they can feel very contrived but i don't know about you but for me i really enjoyed all the nods to the first movie yeah yes you could say some a little bit in your face but they were just handled with a purpose and none of them just felt like they were put there purely to just go hey hey we're still top gun do you remember the first film like, yeah. I, I think i i think it is it's so unashamed in the way that it... Oh, sorry. Van. Bye-bye, Van. It's so it's so unashamed <clears throat> in its callbacks. And so many of the callbacks happen at moments of really heightened action and emotion in the movie mm-hmm. that I, I think they are in, in a, a less well-done movie it would come across as incredibly cynical. Yeah. But it's so earnest. It is so... There's a poignancy to them. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, there are. And it, yeah, it elevates what was cheesy in the 80s and gives it meaning beyond nostalgia and being there, being a reference for the sake of it being a reference, which it really could have felt like very easily. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that's like part of the reason I hated the first one was um, the macho like stuff, the macho sort of the posturing. Yeah, and um, and that's why I really didn't like the first one. However, in this one, 
there was so much more to it still had that which is weird because you'd be like oh okay well why didn't you like the first one because it's got the same sort of things but like you said drew like it's it's earned and i think those sort of moments are don't feel forced or don't feel they're they're coupled with a little bit of nostalgia as well mm. as humor as well um and yeah i don't know it's it is a weird one I mean, there's one scene in particular that we can kind of look at with more of a microscope, I think, on this, and it is the American football beach scene, mm. where, you know, it's, it's it's absolutely a direct nod back to, you know, the volleyball scene mm. and what have you. But, you know, what could, pretend, and it may not have been the intention when they filmed it, but there was certainly kind of homoerotic feel to the first film. Yeah. Um, and... You know, whether that's just my reading of it and many people's reading well, of yeah. it <laughs> since watching it or not. But, like, this properly felt like it was, there was, you know, they were having fun. And, of course, it's a lot of very attractive, very uh, well-built individuals with their clothes off for the most part, running around, playing American football. But then it kind of... On a you, beach at Magic Hour. Beach, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the golden sun just coming over the, over the uh, sunset and... It does. It works great, but then you kind of take Tom Cruise away from it. He sits down for a moment and kind of watches, and you see, uh, you see the commander come up. John Ham rocks up next to him and says, "What are you doing?" And it's the team building stuff, and yeah. it really hammers home something where he was instructed in two scenes prior to put a team together. That's his job to put the team together, mm. and immediately then it's kind of there's so much more undertone throughout it where he's building that camaraderie for his team yeah Mm. and that's that's another thing that works really really well is it's still it is tom cruise's movie he is the point of view character for basically the whole thing which i didn't i wasn't expecting i was really expecting miles teller to be a a more central character than he is but he is the his his character is there entirely to get to color maverick and and it works really really well but that scene illustrates maverick's character growth from the first movie and how deeply he clearly was affected by goose's death and how much he 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 was entirely part of that like competitiveness and and not wanting to work as a team and that was part of his journey in the first movie but it demonstrates how much it affected him through his life and like so going going back to the plot so it opens with the with the aircraft carrier and it's exactly the same as the first movie down to danger zone and then we find maverick as a test pilot um, a fairly a fairly decorated one. Although actually, it turns out he'd only been a test pilot for three years. I was like, oh wow! So they're saying he's he he dro- he left combat and became a test pilot for thirty years. That's really interesting. Mm. And then later in the movie, it turns out he didn't, and he's bounced around and he's still been in combat and gone to war and everything else. Um, but he is he's he's still uh the best flyer in the world and. He's the fastest man alive because he goes over Mach 10. And, <laughs> oh, my God, the fucking cheesy lines. The, that that first, he, he's going Mach 10 in the spaceship plane. And the guy goes, 
he's the fastest man alive. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, that's fucking cheesy. Then I was like, oh, wait, no, he means it literally. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll let you off. But then right towards the end of the movie, Tom Cruise has a marvellous scene just looking out over the sea on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> and, and someone just appears out of nowhere and goes, Maverick, you're exactly where you're meant to be. And I laughed I laughed so hard. It was that was the one that was one of the only points that the earnestness was too much for me. But anyway, my my point is that that volleyball scene and the whole movie really does show Maverick's growth as a person and Tom Cruise's performance draws that out so well. Yeah, yeah. you've got like yeah, so the opening I think was really well done. The music that Hans Zimmer did for this movie as well mm-hmm. really played it and he's you can see that you know uh, maverick is just trying to push and push and then you, you've also got that amazing shot at the beginning of um ed harris's character yeah. uh, <laughs> standing there as uh as maverick flies above, over him um which one, once was, again disobeying orders yeah yeah which apparently was one shot which is really cool to learn, and it actually happened. Whether it was a stand-in or not, it probably wasn't. It probably wasn't Ed Harris. Um, <laughs> and then he's got like dust all over his sunglasses yeah. and stuff, which is why he's wearing sunglasses <clears throat> in the night. Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> he's in the navy. He he's he's a naval aviator. Yeah, yeah. He has to wear aviators. <laughs> it's the law. Yeah. Um, and I uh, yeah, I I was set from the beginning i was like yeah yeah this is cool um that sequence the the test flight sequence is stunning it's very well done let's talk about that and because you know kind of feeding into the conversation about tom cruise's character growth as well you know we see him he hits mac 10 and he's very happy everyone in uh saved everyone's jobs yeah everyone in the office he disobeys orders (laughs) to do the test flight so that he can hit mac 10 Mm. so that everyone doesn't get reassigned and doesn't get to work on their thing yeah they'd schedule mac 9 and they were told they were getting bumped so they go against uh the orders to stay grounded they fly they hit mac 10 and then there's the you know it's to remind you of maverick's character certainly at the beginning of the movie and perhaps kind of saying that ah he's not changed at all in 30 years he does Mm -hmm. go on a good journey but he hasn't at this point hits mac 10 and then just Pushes forward the throttle that extra little ounce to start going through Mach 10 into Mach 10.1, 10.2. Everyone, everyone in command is losing their nuts. It's like, oh no, don't do it, don't do it. And of course, he ends up going so fast that he blows the whole plane apart. We think, <laughs> oh well, Tom, Tom Cruise's cameo in this <laughs> movie was great. That movie. That's great. What happens next? But of course, he's alive, and we find him walking into a bar. Into a bar where all of the like the the everyone till... looks at him. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone looks at him. But the thing that immediately stuck out to me was that it was like the the till was from the fifties. It wasn't <laughs> even like they'd done it so people look like they're in the eighties. And for a split second, I knew this wasn't what it would be like there's they're all all the people are in played there's no phones there's no technology they're all eating like peach pie and there's an old lady with a with a knotted ribbon around her head and i for a second i turned to matt in the cinema i was like did it did that explosion push him back through time (laughs) like it's such a weird i mean and i suppose time is a theme is one of the themes of the movie that he is getting older and and he's running out of time to be an aviator, and they do they push that quite a lot through the yeah. movie. And 
Yeah, so it's just an interesting, whether it's a visual metaphor for him being stuck in the past or I, I don't know, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it was a, a choice that really stood out for me. It'd be very interesting to hear the director's decision on that, but yeah, yeah, I think it's again, and you, you kind of get the flavor of perhaps the comedy in the movie ways. Then, like, where am I after slowly as hell drinking a glass of water with everyone staring at him? Yeah, where am I? And of course, the kid's staring up in complete awe, and he's like, Earth, yeah, you know, it just yeah. kind of it takes that, it's this little, you know, it kind of takes the edge off things. And we'll kind of look at it in a little bit the use of comedy through the movie, but. You know, it takes that edge off. It then sends him straight, of course. He's back and he's about to get court-martialed and arrested and what have you, or we think he is. Well, there, then there, there was not... that scene with Ed Harris, obviously, but I was really upset that there was no sweat in that scene. There was no sweat, <laughs> no sweat at all at, in that scene when he was getting um, moved back to Top Gun. It was a nice nod back to the original, I think, that scene. Um, there's a car. There is another uh, car. Yes, um... But yeah, there was a like. I think that scene was a, quite a nice little nod back to the original one where he goes to meet the principal from Back to the Future, telling yeah. him that he's going to Top Gun. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and then well, it turns out that Iceman kind of is the admiral of the Pacific Fleet. Yeah, and it has kind of put in a good word for him to go there. Otherwise, well, no. So it, they say it's a complete coincidence. That yeah. just as just as Ed Harris is about to um like ground Maverick forever, he's like, I can't believe I've got to say this, but Admiral Kazansky has requested that you transfer to Top Gun because they need your expertise for this specific mission. Yeah, and I was like, well, no, why, why not just have him? Why not have him receive a phone call or something in the meeting and go, what no? Like it's just saying, oh my, hanging a hanging a hanging a lampshade on that massive coincidence feels like <laughs> yeah. a real miss. Just like if if the whole point, one of the points of the movie is that Val Kilmer has been saving him his whole career and getting him out <clears throat> of scrapes and getting people off his back. So why not have him like be told mid bollocking to stop bollocking him because he's sending him to Top Gun because he's really important. That that again. This isn't. I. I really, genuinely don't think this is going to be one of those times where we finish the spoiler cast and I'm more down on the movie than I was <laughs> because I still think it's fantastic. But yeah, these little and well, this is. It feels like. Sorry, tangent. If it, it's it's produced by Joe Bruckheimer, and it is such a Bruckheimer movie. It is. It it you know that it's from the people who made fucking Armageddon yeah. and and the original movie and and it's just got that you forgive it these lapses in perhaps sense or real world logic yeah. because it's just it's not trying to be serious it's trying to be serious about emotions and how the characters feel and about pushing themselves to the limits and things but. It's not attempting to be realistic necessarily, it, like, and I think that's by design. Well, it kind of takes us into the next scene, doesn't it? He rocks up, he's back on Top Gun base, he walks through, he sees that great, uh, that great photo of Iceman there as uh, as the admiral and what have you, and we're reminded again that he's got his little guardian angel looking over him. But then it takes us straight back in another kind of scene that we've seen before mm. in the Top Gun. We go straight to the bar. 
Um, well, before that, he meets John Ham, doesn't he? And John yeah. Ham's like, I don't want you here, um, but yeah, you're here, um, which I think was quite a good like dynamic between the two. Yeah, I think their banter that they had and the relationship they had was quite good, and their chemistry worked well on on camera as well. I always love John Ham. Yeah, he's always good. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, yeah. Then sorry, Matt. Then we go. No, no, absolutely. Of it's worth probably pointing his. He's kind of there as an aggravator rather than an antagonist, John yeah. Hamm, isn't he? He's there as someone who just kind of creates those moments of uh, frustration and jeopardy through the film. Yeah, and but, the person who is pissed off with Maverick for being a Maverick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost in the name, some would say. But yes, we're taken in and we are introduced to Jennifer Connelly's character. Uh, mm, Penny. Penny, who has, there's clearly a history with them. Um, uh, kind of. They they don't use these words, but it is, it's it, it's basically explicit that they have a very on again off again history over yeah. decades. It would in, be interesting to see why they didn't bring back his love interest from the first one. Whether like I don't know if the actress died. I don't. No, think so, I think yeah. she. I think she retired from acting. Yeah, but I I think it it makes it more point. Like he could have been a deadbeat dad. Yeah, and have had the same sort of story where he separated from her after they had a kid because yeah, he still yeah. wanted to fly and he kept breaking the rules and she was fed up from them moving around to different air bases every two years because he's a douchebag mm. and he could have been rekindling that relationship but they if if they, if <clears throat> is it Kelly McGillis if she didn't mm. choose, if she didn't want to return, which I think is maybe what happened, mm. we'd need to check. Mm. Then I, I think this works just as well, and I think it serves his character that when in the original movie, and like you said at the beginning when he's in the test flight, he's not a completely different person than who yeah. he was, and he's impulsive, and and his his drive in life is to be going fast in planes and on <laughs> motorbikes. And it causes problems in his personal life. That's exactly. what we're kind of talking. We're not. Yeah. We're not fed much depth, but Penny is introduced, and there's kind of a bit of history and a bit of sense of history there. Um, let's kind of take a moment to talk that before we kind of bring the rest of the characters into this scene. You know, let's talk about his relationship with Penny, and you know, Tom Cruise and Connolly's performance. Cruise kills it. We've said that already. Jennifer Connelly plays the role really well, I think, but. Do, what do we feel about how they talk about their relationship and how they move their relationship forward through the movie? Do we feel like it's done justice? Kind of split the split your answer in two, I guess. Like I think for me, it was given enough time to not make it the central point. Because if it was given more time, I think I would have been like, "Well, I don't really want to know about like this relationship mm. too much. I want to know." about Maverick in a plane, basically. <laughs> and I think I think they were like, we need to have sort of a love interest, I think, mm-hmm. but we don't have enough time, so we'll do some scenes. I think Jennifer Connelly was, like, it's... Her character started off really, like, strong, and th- the females in this were, were done better than they had in the original. However, as time went on, she just became sort of a bit of a two-dimensional love interest she's like oh i like like you know you know the sort of love story yeah but like because i liked the you know when he came over to her in the bar and she rang the bell made it made everyone pay 
made uh, him pay for everyone's drinks and stuff. So it was like a juxtaposition of the first one where it's like falling over head over heels for mm. this this. I mean, she still is, but it felt different to me. It was like this girl's got something more to her. But then gradually as the movie went on, it was like, oh, okay, it's back to just, I love you, mm. but not too much. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel about their, you know, kind of, did we need more to get an understanding of their past? Or did you have enough? And how do you feel their relationship builds in the film? I thought it was... I thought it was very well done. I thought that establishing in their first scene that they have an on again, off it again history over, like she is aware of she she saw him be sent to both Iraq wars and various other places, so we know that she's known him for basically the entire time since the first movie, and so that worked for me. And I I feel like. Obviously, unfortunately, she is there and her daughter, they are there to be the people that we're sad Maverick might not come home to when he has to go on the final mission. Like that's ultimately they represent the next stage of his life that he's now ready to settle down and have and that he wants to have. And um, and so. I think for them serving that purpose, I felt like they did it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Jennifer Connolly is really great in the role. She doesn't have a lot to do mm. and she does really very, very well with it. But it is that difficult balance of I, I, the love, the love story in the first one was one of the bits that I couldn't stand yeah i i was so bored and i was never bored in the scenes with no um with the two characters in this one which is really good and if they had given her more to do if they had given them if they'd made them fall out and have him try and fix his relationship with her at the same time as trying to plan this mission in three weeks it would have felt overstuffed and rushed or boring when we wanted to see people going fast in airplanes yeah true and I think, just to kind of put my little view on how this works, I think that, yeah, we see a nice progression through the relationship, but I think what ultimately that relationship serves as well as the sacrifice that he's going to make and the potential loss that he's that they're going to suffer for him not returning. You know, the it it's one of the catalysts and one of the key components for telling the journey that Maverick goes on. Mm. Yeah. And this character development because we see him essentially fall in love you know and we see him she sees a new side of him which ultimately allows us to see that development and that journey that he goes on um with a few characters but with a couple of characters certainly and before we kind of bring miles teller and his character into it i think it feeds into a nice way to segue into the whole company (coughs) Excuse me. The whole company of pilots that um, we're introduced to for this mission, which are the 12 that he... Was it 10? 12. 12, I believe. Is it 12? Um, yeah. These are the best pilots in the world. That at their, Well, they're the best specialists in the world at what they do. We're hammered, that's hammered home time and time again, that these are, these are the best in the world at yeah, what they do. Yeah, and they're people who have already graduated from the Top Gun school. Yes. High in their class. 
very important to add in there, actually. Yeah, that's apologies for missing that. And, you know, we see them in another kind of reciprocal scene from the first movie where they're all getting together, they're playing pool, they're joking about... All of them clearly have recognition and, you know, they all recognise each other, they reference each other. <coughs> and we uh, get to see them interact for the first time and we're introduced to these characters. How do we feel, in general, the introductions to these characters were? Was it heavy enough? Did we get enough from their personalities in this scene? It was a good five, six-minute scene, wasn't it? Yeah, hmm. I mean, I mean, it is... It's an action movie, and they're very two-dimensional. It's the nerd, the like the strong woman, the jock. Basically, it's all they're all stereotypical. And the others, yeah, and that's the others. basically <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, you could do, but then it. I think it would detract. Like, it's only a two-hour movie, and they've got to, they've got to give enough to Maverick, and also. Um, What's his name? Rooster mm. as well. Um, yeah. And so I think they're sort of secondary characters that you're sort of, you're not supposed to be like really heavily invested in them. I'm surprised mm. they didn't kill any of them off, to be fair. Yeah, I was, um, my big takeaway at the very end walking up was like, Oh, none of the goodies died. Yeah, yeah. No, no one. Get, and yeah, it, it's that was Maverick's whole thing. And the end of this movie is basically just like, yeah, Pete Mitchell is the best pilot who yeah. ever lived. <laughs> He's the greatest American of all time. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, why fucking not? He has to succeed in the mission in every single possible yeah. way. Yeah. I am sorry. Going back to the to the point, I think I think you're right yeah. entirely, Ross. I was. I thought that it was a really good introductory scene for those characters mm. because I was I was like, great, I've got a feel for all these people. I've got a feel for their relationships. I'm really looking forward to seeing them kind of become the focus of the movie more and pull focus mm. away from Pete, uh, from Maverick a little bit. And it doesn't really happen. It is mm. it's Maverick's movie and all pretty much all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that initial scene and the little bits that we do get subsequently were enough to make me like and care about these characters and that was all it needed to do for me yeah okay just obviously there's agree, a couple though, of key characters yeah i'm i'll kind of point to that thought and it's you know did 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 either of you guys feel like there wasn't enough for some of these characters people especially kind of let's if we call them the key secondaries like hangman Phoenix and Bob, you know, we spend a lot of time, or we certainly see a lot of them on screen, not necessarily spending a lot of time with their characters, but we see a lot of them on the screen. And the reason I ask is I personally feel that the hangman relationship with Rooster, with Miles Teller's character, just there could have been more there. There was meant to have that similar kind of face-off with Ice and uh, with Maverick in the first film. And it just felt like they, they'd never really got... Hangman to a point where he was credible enough and they never really kind of saw a development of their jeopardy and a development of their friction that then ultimately when they shake hands at the end you see everything's kind of that the respect is earned the respect is mutual I I can see what you mean because I mean Hangman doesn't go on the last mission and then they're like you say 
you saved the day again, hangman. <laughs> and it's a bit like, well, I mean, all you he did was call his kill. dad out, call his dad out for saying like that he's dead. Mm. Uh, and then, but I don't know. I I took it. I didn't. I didn't really want to know anything more personally okay. about them. Okay. Yeah. I, I I took it as the two D character that they kind of are really. Yeah. Mm. I'm I'm with Ross on that. In in that, I would. I would be very, I would so watch the three and a half hour director's cut of this mm. where all the secondary characters do get more development yeah. and maybe we do get more development of Maverick and Rooster's relationship while he was growing up after Goose's death. But because it's already two hours and ten minutes long mm. and they, it, it is Maverick's movie, the, the reason that I'm not too fussed about um, Hangman and Rooster shaking hands at the end not being the big moment is because the big moment is Rooster giving mm. Maverick a hug. Yeah. I think it's it's not about, for me, that moment being the big moment. I think what I was lacking was a scene after their confrontation about his dad that shows that there is, like, there is no relationship there at this point. Like, their confrontation, their face off that kind of peak... Um, when yeah, when Hangman calls out about you know, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about his dad, and everything kicks off there. I felt like there was just something missing that showed there was a massive crack down the middle of this team. Yeah, and rather than like the couple of jibes they'd had before, there was never really anything that told me that this is, this is potentially a fall. This could jeopardize the whole mission. Yeah off the back of this where there had been you know potential for it in my opinion and I think it only needed to be a 30 to 60 second scene um, so I think that's kind of where I'm coming from I feel like there there was room for more to make it and you know this is perhaps me fighting against the movie ever so slightly where it is Top Gun Maverick obviously it's a film all about Maverick but I feel like there was just a potential to give some weight to some of the other characters to make it so that it's not just Tom Cruise going on a Tom Cruise journey for two hours. That's my only... Yeah. It's a slight criticism, and it by no means, you know, detracts from the movie, and I guess it's just me kind of hoping to break away from some of these 2D stereotypes that mm. are in there. And same with Phoenix. Like, it's brilliant that she properly stands her ground, and she really is a strong female character in this, but could there have been a jeopardy or a point overproving one of the points where, obviously, she's picked for the mission... But could there have been a running with whether it's Hangman again to give him more of an antagonistic feel or another pilot? I that... I, f- I feel like though they or I wonder if there was a an impetus for them to downplay animosity. Gender. No, no. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it would have made him an even more hissable bad guy, and mm. that's I think my point is that I don't think. That that would have made him seem irredeemable, particularly in today's climate. Yeah. Um, okay. Like yeah. they, I I felt like with Hangman, they put across that he was very confident and like he he's a very good pilot and he's a better he is he performs better in the tests than Rooster, um for a lot of it, and he's so uh, for me it just felt like he was overconfident, but kind of almost deservedly overconfident yeah. um, and he learned his lesson I just feel like they didn't want to make any of the goodies 
into baddies too I, much. Yeah, and I also the baddie think... was time. The baddie was time, guys. Don't we know it? Don't think, we know it? I think <laughs> the it real adversary. I think that another and like that antagonistic thing would detract from Rooster and Maverick's relationship because there's already tension there as it is. Mm-hmm. If you had another bit of tension with Rooster and the other guy, then there's just too much, I think, because he Rooster doesn't like Maverick for most of the majority of the mm. uh, and he's annoyed at Maverick. And I think if there was some more conflict, it would just detract from that, which is the main sort of conflict. I, that makes sense. I slightly disagree in the fact I think it could have really put Rooster as this loner kind of character. Like he's obviously very well respected and has started to earn respect since graduating from Top Gun and stuff. But you now I feel like, and this is kind of the perfect way to get into Rooster's character and whatnot. But I feel like. Um, him having kind of clashes with uh with Tom Cruise out and having more of a kind of back and forth relationship with Hangman would have just painted him as this one who doesn't quite feel like he's you know he's respected he feels alone he you know quite literally is alone in the sense we find out his mum and dad have passed away well we know his dad died mm. in the first one but we also learn that his mum's passed away uh, which is a very kind of little sentimental moment that they give to Meg Ryan's character, but the, it kind of—I just think it could have elevated that isolation and that loneliness more. Was all I'd say. But let's now dive in and let's talk about Miles Teller's performance and to kind of finish off the character side of things. How do we feel that Rooster came across and did? Was he done justice? Was his character done justice? Was the performance a strong one? True. Um, it was fine i think he did he did the angry moments well i found it interesting that they i don't understand how he's considered one of the best pilots if he's renowned for not taking shots that he should take and not pushing as as fast as he Mm. should i understand that in terms of maverick wants to maverick has to have a challenge to get him up to the level he needs to be to do the mission but the whole point is he shouldn't have to and and mm-hmm. why are the others not having that problem and like he he is scared like he's mm-hmm. hyperventilating flying into the final mission and yeah. he struggles through the movie and then he does some really cool he does that r- insane aerobatic move where mm-hmm. maverick is inverted above him and they kind of um, do the snake yeah like a cedar seed yeah. cobraing down to the ground and that was awesome but yeah it, it, he was fine and Miles Teller is a good enough actor and if they had decided to make his journey through the movie an even bigger part of it I'm sure he would have done a good job mm. but again he's just a cipher he he doesn't matter yeah um and so he was fine. I wasn't blown away by him at all, but I thought mm. he was perfectly fine. Yeah, I think he had a really bad moustache like his dad. Oh, God, it was so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, again, it feels like they only had him had the moustache so that the guys could look at the picture yeah, at the yeah. Academy and go, hey, oh that's his dad. Yeah. Where, like, there's another way to handle that. Yeah. Like, have them, yeah, like, Although whatever. Although he plays the piano and he sings the exact same yeah. song that his dad sang 
that was a bit hammy. The I bit like, where like, I liked Tom, it. <laughs> Tom Cruise is looking through the, the window and it's like, oh my God, he's like his dad. He sings exactly the way. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that, um, I think his performance was good. I liked the bit when, you know, he's doing the push-ups and, mm-hmm. um, and, he's, and he's sort of crying. He's like upset, but yeah, and I think he does well in that whole, you know, battling with, you know, Maverick being pissed off at Maverick for pulling his um, papers know, his, for his the papers. academy. Can, um, sorry, yeah, go on. Can I talk about that being such a bizarre choice now? Yeah. Um. So, going <laughs> into this movie from all the trailers and everything else. I was like, okay, so he hates him because he was flying when his dad died. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. That That's perfectly good character motivation. They've yeah. never interacted since. They come face to face. He still blames him. He won't listen because he grew up without dad and he hates him for it. I was like, great. That's a fantastic obstacle to overcome. And it turns out, no, they were super close until he wanted to go to flight school and then Maverick's stood in his way because he promised his mum when she was dying that he'd never let him fly and he did anyway but yeah. never and and it's sort of understandable but actually for a film that has so much high melodrama why not do the highly melodramatic thing yeah she's like i hate you you kill my dad yeah and, like... and, and instead it's oh, i hate you you made me not go to school for four extra years yeah. <laughs> and they don't make any they like it hasn't held him back as far as we can tell he's still a fucking fighter ace yeah they, he never says i could have been doing this by now yeah. he's already flying he's already got friends and he's popular and like it's it was an odd choice yeah. So we're starting to see now why Toy nearly drew nearly scored it less than uh, five, but mm. was then completely enraptured by the epicness of it, which you can completely understand. This this is again kind of the reason I wanted to talk characters first because essentially this is kind of what held me back from giving it the five. Yeah. I do feel like it was where it was thinnest. This backstory and you know it did just feel a bit like it was just thrown in just so that there was something that they could fight about later down the line that wasn't. You know, the, the blaming. obvious choice. They kinda, yeah. I guess they were, I don't know if it was a decision where they were worried that if they had Maverick and uh, Rooster hate each other because Maverick was there when his dad died, the whole like, oh, maybe there's a blame, maybe there's a fault. And, you yeah. know, it, it's trying not to put any kind of tarnish on the highly decorative uh, captain that is uh, Maverick. So, yeah, I just feel like. Personally, I think Mars did very well in it. I think it was a great performance. And for what he had, I feel like he deserved a bit more. I feel like we deserved as an audience a bit more to understand their relationship. But ultimately, you know, when we get to later in the film and they have... (laughs) There we go. (laughs) But ultimately, when we get to the later part of the film and we have that kind of awkward... Shall I shut the window? At least? I mean, I don't think it would make that much difference, mate. <laughs> if but that ulti- happens again, yes. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, when we have that kind of moment with um with them in the snow and they kind of have that awkward joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'll put the keys. In. No. Oh, oh. Uh, we come to you live as someone tries four times to break into a car. <laughs> So ultimately, when we have the conversation with them in the snow. (laughs) Ah, 
way to <laughs> I'm really hoping Drew cuts the last two minutes. I'm absolutely this. not cutting any of this. It's comedy gold. They have the conversation in the snare and there's a real awkward kind of face off and it's certainly adds an element of comedy, but it kind of fits that two dimensional relationship more, I'd say. Mm. But we can dwell on the characters throughout. Let's kind of get into more of the chunky stuff. We see the guys go into a training session. There's probably a bit of the film we're cutting out, but we'll be here for we five hours. I mean, we're yeah, no we're, way we're, near. we're at 48 minutes. <laughs> exactly. But I, I was just thinking this. I was like, oh, Christ, we need to... We need to speed up a bit. But then I was like, hang on. Most of it is... Yeah, like... most of it is now they're training, they're going on the mission, they're not good enough. He he tells them they're not good enough. They try again, they're still not good enough. He proves that it can be done because he does it. Then he yeah. goes and they win. <laughs> there you go, that's the end of the spoiler cast. He goes out. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I think, like, for the next portion of the movie, it's I really enjoyed the, the training montage and the training mm-hmm. aspect yeah. and... and and the sh- this is the part where the movie just goes fucking bonkers in terms of the shots and mm-hmm. all of the action and the fact that a lot of that stuff you it's feel practical. like yeah you feel like Tom Cruise is actually weaving and diving through mm-hmm. these things the G force and stuff. Um, well, first, well, this is it. First, the first thing we have to look at, just kind of breaking it down from what the audience sees, we get the dogfighting scene where we establish just how incredible some of these pilots are yeah. and how you know they, how they start jamming together. Is. But that's it. It nails on that they kind of see him as an old timer. By the end of that scene, they're like, "Fuck, yeah. this guy is the tits." <laughs> you know, something I really loved is so in the bar. Tom Cruise gets thrown out in a jokey way because his card gets declined and it's part of the tradition of the bar and he gets thrown out by the people he's there to train and they don't know. And I loved the inversion where normally we would be watching this and we wouldn't know who Tom Cruise's character was. We'd be following the young heroes. They throw the bum out of the bar and then he walks in to train them. I've never seen it flipped and that was when it started saying no this movie is maverick's movie because you know that's going to happen you know that he's going to walk in and they're going to go oh fuck but it 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 gives him the power in that scene rather than being a shocking reveal for the audience and i really enjoyed that yeah it's they do use some clever like kind of clever directorial and they go against some of the cinematography tropes that we do see exactly as you're saying Mm. Anyway, sorry, I mean, do carry on. <laughs> but it's it's the first time like we really get to sit in the cockpit. It, the action level from this point, the film kicks up a gear, and it doesn't slow down very often. At this no. point, you're flying a lot. The times that it does slow down for dialogue, it becomes more fractured and heated, and we start really seeing some of the issues that they're faced with. Um, but can it, was it how to really write a question here for it? But like, how did you feel? getting into that scene was it too much of the maverick show at this point do you feel like it went too far with it do you think like it really hit on what they wanted to do by establishing each of these very good pilots and the potential they maybe have because we do kind of see it with phoenix and bob especially and you know we certainly get that moment with uh rooster and maverick with the cobra that drew you've talked about was it enough? Was it too much one-sided? Was it to kind of almost watering down these other incredible pilots? What are your feels on it? 
I think it definitely has the effect of making them not look like the best pilots in the world. Mm. And again, and again, it's because it's Maverick's story and he has to be the greatest human being who's ever existed. Yeah. But I also think that that leads to a lot of young people being cocky and thinking they're the dog's bollocks, especially mm-hmm. like through this program of people graduating from Top Gun thinking they're like amazing when actually... Yes, it it does also lend to the fact that Tom Cruise is amazing at everything he does. Mm. But also, I think it is quite good to show... For me, I, I took it like he's teaching these guys that they're not hot shit. Yeah, and also, actually, yeah, that is a good point. They do make a point of, yeah, they're good, but these guys are good at flying at 30,000 feet and dropping bombs. Yeah. They've never had to get into a dogfight. They've never had to do this. That's mm. not what aerial warfare is anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that does feel a little bit more justified that they're saying that in this particular set of skills, Maverick is better at it than them. Yeah. Great. So that kind of feeds us in exactly what you're saying. They've never had to fly this flight before. We learn as an audience in a scene that the mission is that they're going to be flying at 100 foot through a canyon feels very, you know, feels very Death Star. Yeah, uh, very pod racing. Death Star pod racing. And they're going to fly through, stay under the radar for all these Sam turrets that are going to blow them out of the sky, pull off some incredible G-Force feats, drop a bomb through the pinhole, which twice. hits the reactor core twice <laughs> yeah. and blows up the Death Star. I mean, blows up this uh, <laughs> uranium base. Um, and from then a not non-specified terrorist. Uh, yeah, or like from a uh, non-country related. From, ro- rogue net from a rogue state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where is it? We don't know. No, <laughs> nobody cares. In the Somewhere snowy. A yeah. mountainous <laughs> snowy region. Uh, we then... Not, but that's not the end of it. What I do like and what I actually liked about this is that they're saying that's literally just the first half. Yeah. The first two miracles are that you hit the pin twice. Then surviving is, well, or in John Hamm character, his, his character says, like, well, you know, they signed up for this. They know the risk they're taking. It's like, no, I'm going to bring them back alive. That's then the third miracle is actually getting them all out of it. Yeah. And it includes an, essentially a vertical flight adding ridiculous g's 10 g's gravity you weigh two thousand pounds as you fly vertically up this cliff face to escape oh and then you're gonna get shot at uh when these incredibly ultra advanced generation fighter pilots come after you so yeah suddenly learning all this you're like fucking hell this is intense like so again it adds that gravity there's a real sense of threat and none of you are going to make it one of you making it out is a success none of you are probably coming out of this then we see them go and training for that they start doing the runs they've got to they get in trouble because they pass the what was the i can't think of the phrase they use there's like a hard limit for flight flight ceiling or flight or something yeah and it's five thousand feet of course the hard floor something that you tell us when you listen to tell us what (laughs) the terminology was that we've completely butchered there but Rooster and Maverick, they fly under that when they're kind of measuring the size of their cocks and getting through their frustrations. And then, of course, Cruz gets permission that they can fly that low. So they start to, but they are, again, immediately put in a position where they do not feel capable. And we really start getting the sense that this task is perhaps bigger than them. Yeah. How do we feel that that journey and those scenes where we've seen them starting to improve and starting to work on things, do we feel like that gives 
team-based development growth and perhaps kind of growth for the for those secondaries again do we see that we start to believe that they could pull it off or are we meant to be left there feeling like this is impossible i well firstly i like the the addition that they're going on a mission mm-hmm. there's something that i feel the first one lacked like you know they're just passing um top gun and that was it whereas this one is like you're on this journey with them. You want them to succeed. You, They're trying to show you that this is all... I thought that there was, like I said earlier to Drew, like that a few of them are probably going to die mm-hmm. along the way. Um, so, But I like the, I like the, the thing of... A, it's kind of like an underdog story, isn't it? Of an underdog... Try, they're not going to. Yeah, it's a sports movie yeah. again. <laughs> it's literally like all these things up against you. Will they survive? And then when they do, you're like, yeah, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I like that. And yeah, I guess it, it did give some more character stuff mm-hmm. and character moments for the secondaries. Um, not much. Like mm. it's, it's more. Oh, this guy can pass out quicker. Um, or you know, so. Yes and no is always my okay. an- like is my answer. I think I don't know about you, Drew. I yeah, it's I'm not yeah. I I it's it's gripping when you're in it. Mm-hmm. It is gr- absolutely gripping when you're in it. But it's not that this is the thing. They they're not having to overcome character deficiencies except for Rooster. Yeah, Rooster mm-hmm. is the only one. Where Maverick, where they kind of establish that if he stops holding back and stops thinking, he'll be able to do it. Yeah, With the yeah. rest of them, it's just like you're not making it, and he's never. He, they they never say right. We're going to teach you this. We're going to train you this. They're just like you're just keep doing it until yeah. you can do it, and then they never achieve it. And then they're like, well, time to go on the mission anyway. <laughs> let's let's see if this works. Even though you'll all die because that's what happened every time you tried in training. Yeah, and then they do it. But inspiration it's so... plays a big part, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think what we're we're kind of faced with a moment, Dread, and it's again, how do you add scenes? These scenes work brilliantly because they add action to a movie that is, you know, the mission plays a a part in the movie, but isn't the movie. You know, it's not a typical action film in that, you know, it's they're constantly faced with jeopardy against the enemy forces until the last third of this movie. Really, this is more of a redemption arc story for for um, Maverick, as we say, but. Um, where are we going? We're kind of faced with the the first moment of dread, where, as you said, one of the pilots blacks out a bit easier, and suddenly he's hurtling towards. He's gone into G lock. He's hurtling towards the cliffside, and you know Maverick is ultimately trying to wake him up. He locks onto him so that the the alarm the goes off. That was really clever, and he yeah. wakes up just in time to correct his to correct his plane. Um, then of course the poor the poor bird that flew into the engine of another mm. plane in the in the kind of rescue positions where they were trying to get through and save this original chap. They then start going down. The engines have blown through questionable sources, um, and they they hurtle towards the cliff face, can't control it, and have to eject at the last minute. Um, there was a real sense that we could lose one of the characters. I feel yeah. like it was the only time actually in the movie yeah. that I felt like we were going to see one of the characters die. Yeah. Um, but neither of them do. And they go, oh, they're the just in hospital. Yeah. They're, they're, they're being they're checked fine. overnight. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, but... they'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, and that's I I. It was an interesting thing that they tried to make it like, oh yeah, ejecting. You have to go to the hospital and stuff. It's still a big deal to eject. But then, like, it is one thing that they don't play up very much in either of the movies. And well, I suppose the first one shows that ejecting can be dangerous if there's yeah. a malfunction. But flying a plane can be dangerous if there's a malfunction. <laughs> like, ultimately, if the we see planes get hit with missiles and they don't instantly blow them up into a huge fireball it breaks a bit off and you eject out and then you float down to the ground and then you steal another plane and fly away <laughs> at the end it, it, and so it's an interesting it does add jeopardy it does show that there will be challenges and i think it's quite clever that they make it as much they they make the jeopardy almost as much about not being able to complete the mission as mm. they do that people might die. Yeah. Like they do make it they do make a big thing that sub that people might not come home and particularly Rooster and Maverick's worried about that. But they add that additional thing of uh, I'll be honest, I was a bit surprised that they that the threat wasn't larger. Like it's it is a it mm. is a, a, a real threat, like a rogue nation would be able to create weaponized nuclear material to put into nuclear weapons and that's something that the Americans won't stand for because only only big countries can have nukes. <laughs> um, How dare you. But on it it felt actually like a surprisingly small threat for such yeah. a big feeling movie. Yeah. And that was it was actually quite refreshing. Well it's it's quite a nice point, actually. But again, it kind of gives you more of that focus on Maverick's journey rather than, you know, it's not a cliche yeah, it's not, action movie. In it's not about ways. saving the world. Yeah. So we we see this footage of the back end of these guys and the crashes that uh, Maverick has taken off and John Hamm takes over and they reset things to make it basically that you're going to die. It's now a four-minute timer gone from a two-minute 30 timer. You are going to get intercepted, but you've got a chance of fighting him off in a dogfight. You'll be fine, you know, he plays it down. You've got a chance of surviving if, if you fight them in a dogfight. Um, they're all very gloomy. They know they're going to die now. Then all of a sudden we see Maverick doing one of the most Maverick things you'll ever see. He's hijacked a multi-million pound plane, and he's about to fly the course in 2 minutes and 15 seconds to tell... These noobs, they can actually be done super easy and you'll even have 15 extra seconds to chill out and fly home. Like, what do we feel about that sequence and was it too much? Was it a bit cheesy? Was it exactly what you wanted from no, that I, scene? I loved it. I loved that sequence. I loved... It felt like a, uh, a really long shot. I know it wasn't mm. because there was cuts in between, but it just felt like you were following Tom Cruise and because he's because he was reacting and going left and right and stuff. And again, the the action sequence, you were really like, yeah, come on, come on, do this. Yeah. And pulling off the 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 maneuver to get out of the crater and stuff mm -hmm. was really, like, <coughs> it was tense. It was ed edge of your seat stuff. You know he's not going to die. Yeah, you know, you know he's going to succeed yeah, as well. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, that that's the thing with a lot of this movie. You know he is going to survive, like... He survived a Mark 10 fucking super jet oh, he plane so crash should not with, with just some smoke marks on the, on his face, <laughs> like some dust. And then the second plane crash, like where I don't think he used a fucking eject ejector seat. We don't on, see it. We, really. Yeah, we don't see it on screen so that we can have the Star Wars Episode Nine 
Oh my god, Chewie's actually dead. Yeah. It's probably about the same amount of time from thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow, did they actually just kill off Maverick to seeing him waking up in the snow? Yeah, with no scratches, nothing on his face. Yeah. Nothing, uh, but, but unconscious. Yeah, yeah, unconscious. <laughs> he hit his head so hard that he knocked it, but it didn't cause any Anyway, um, but yeah, I think even though you know he is going to succeed, it still was gripping and tense and hmm. you felt like you were in that cockpit with him. Yeah. And I really loved it, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's... This is the first time that you really properly see the cinematography in action in the plane, I think, mm. because of those sharp 90-degree turns that they make in the cockpit as the plane flips, essentially 180, and you kind of feel every jerk with him, and the the way that they shot that was incredible. And Yeah. You know, he ultimately comes back. Then he's going to be the team leader. So he ulti- he doesn't even have to pick a team leader from his 12. Yeah. He then becomes team leader, uh, picks up, uh, picks two two planes that are going to fly with him. Then he has the choice between Hangman and Rooster to be his wingman. There's some scenes with Connolly in between, of course. You know, we're, we're not going to dwell too much on that because ultimately what we want to get to is the actual mission. And he picks Rooster to be his wingman. Which I was, I liked that. Little. I know obviously he was probably going to, I felt that, but yeah. it was nice to play the fact that this guy is not even in the mission. Like, that's that, yeah, I like that. Yeah, all right, even like, yeah, he wasn't even picked as a secondary, like, people. Mm-hmm. Mm. And again, it's maybe that does a slight disservice to Hangman's character. Well, no, but it, it it's about the configuration of the planes because half mm-hmm. of them are single seater F18s and half of them are two seaters. Very that true. have the the person doing the targeting. Although when Tom did the run on his own, he proved that you can do the targeting solo. Yeah, because uh, he did it for himself. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah. And so I think they they established it like that so that it had to be either Hangman or Rooster. There was no other uh, way around it. This is where uh, Matt's complete inability to notice these things in <laughs> the naval uh, aircraft systems works, but. So, you know, we're taken on and um, Hangman is actually kind of... You don't really get any emotion from him, if I'm completely honest. You don't really know whether he's really pissed off or not. He does eventually give Miles Tyler the give him hell line to show that there's some respect (coughs) there and he's not completely kind of frozen about it. it, And I, I read it that he was humbled by it. I was like, oh, okay, he's not going to throw his toys out the pram. He's going to accept it because he's a professional soldier. Nice take. Aviator. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you happy with it? Yeah, yeah, I liked that bit. And I, and then I liked the, the scene after where, you know, Rooster and Maverick are on the, they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And there's a lovely moment where Rooster wants to say a, a nice touching thing to Maverick. And then obviously they're interrupted by all the shit that's going on and I and I like I like that moment I like that mm. there was a couple of moments as well where they're saying stuff to each other but we can't hear what they're saying yeah. it was yeah. at the beginning of the movie I think when just before they go start the dog fighting they're talking but the other guys are listening but they, we can't hear what they're saying yeah. and I and I think they did the same again the second bit um, and yeah and then they go on the mission yeah and I like again there's not really much to say. We've said it before. Like, <laughs> that, it was very tense. Ha, like, the only thing that I would say is I thought it could have ended after. He, you could have killed him off mm. and had him sacrifice himself for Rooster. 
and then that be the end of the movie. Mm. But then it it carried on. I was like, oh, we're we doing some sort of enemy behind enemy lines. Yeah, type. Thing. I was I was expecting like a, a full on action sneaky infiltration scene. Mm. And it but no, they just wasn't. ran over to a hangar and <laughs> nicked a plane and yeah. off. Nicked an F fourteen, another yeah, casual homage yes. to the first movie. Well done, Matt. Yeah. yeah. The the plane from the first movie, these uh this rogue nation somewhere in nondescript East Eastern Europe, Russia ish area <laughs> yeah. happens to have a bunch of American hardware from the eighties. Yeah. And <laughs> it's all very nostalgic. I am the one thing. The last thing I think, because uh, like you said, Ross, I think we've we've covered that the action is spectacular and it's mm. the the final third of the movie that is basically all the mission is is great. Yeah. The one thing that I didn't like is we we had we had a couple of good jokes at the beginning of the movie, and it's not all heavy, but it's not. I didn't really chuckle at very much, and so, and so it's it's there are happy moments and there are there are contemplative moments and then all of a sudden they both land and you have this real marvel feeling moment of them having the joke of they it looks like they're about to get into a big argument and tom cruise be really upset that rooster came back and nearly killed himself to save his life yeah and then rooster and he was like what were you thinking and rooster goes you told me not to think and it defuses the tension and i really laughed it's a very very funny moment but to me, I wanted the tension to stay high there. Yeah. I immediately, as soon as that happened, I was like, "Oh, okay, they're go- they're going to be fine. Yeah. They're they're going to be fine. They're going to find their way out of this." Where if they'd landed and had that moment and had a little laugh, but then been like, "We've we've got to move," but they give themselves the time to go. So what's the plan? They're not looking around for baddies. They're mm. just chilling in the snow. Yeah. And it it really it it stopped the movie dead for me. And on a good laugh that I liked, and I like the the way the story moves afterwards, that they go and steal another plane and they take off and Maverick gets to shoot down another two planes, so he becomes a fighter ace, and that's fucking cool. But yeah, it just, that bit didn't quite work for me. Yeah, I, li- I liked that final dogfight. I think that was, after they stole it and then they were like, okay, now we're going to just do one more fight scene with Maverick, taking on... Like with a old plane, these new fangled thing to show it's it's basically like we're gonna show that it doesn't it's the pilot that yeah, matters it's, and it's, it's the not pilot, the pilot, not the plane. Yeah. And <laughs> I there was a couple of moments where I thought they were gonna kill him off. Obviously I thought when he sacrificed himself to mm-hmm. get blown up. Um and then when he was going really high and getting and he was gonna get Rooster to pull his thing and yeah, I thought and he was work. gonna I thought he was going to let Rooster get out and then he was going to sacrifice himself then yeah. as well, which was quite good. Like, I didn't... And then, obviously, he makes it out by... Um, what's his face? Saving him. Um, Hangman. 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 Um, and, yeah, like... And then it ends the same way the first one ends. And <laughs> Basically, yeah. We, yeah. we went to well, the end, too, which I think... I I feel like they, they used those tropes for... Um, you know, sent that sense of foreboding of Tom Cruise's character dying, and I guess they kind of play the way the way they usually use Hollywood tropes. They've kind of fought against it through, throughout the movie. I don't think that was intentional. You know, we do have a scene when he says essentially says bye to Connolly, and we have that moment, and then it is it just feels a bit like 
Oh, well, yeah, of course he survives. Of course yeah, he survives. Yeah. Tom Cruise. They... I will disagree with you slightly on that scene in the snow mm-hmm. with Miles Teller. I feel like that it, like I said to the boys, like I'd clenched my butt <laughs> to a point it started hurting and I was cramping by the end of that scene. So for me, that moment in the snow, it went on a little bit too long. I think the awkward silence was a bit too long. Yeah. But I really needed that laugh for me just to relax. Mm-hmm. And mm. again... I think I would like to see the director's cut of that scene stealing the plane yeah. because essentially, yeah, they just kind of ran while there was a lot of running around going on. They ran in, started up the engine and stole the plane and, and nobody at any point saw them. What I would have loved and what I think they could have done with it was have a guard walk in halfway through them setting up this plane. Um, I guess it may have given away if they used a dialect or an accent uh, or a language, it would have given something away, but they wouldn't have even had to. It could be that just the gun got raised, they were about to shoot Maverick, and Rooster pops up I and knocks him out. I wonder if they did something. have something, and then they had to take it out because of the whole the whole thing that's happening in the world at the moment. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe they might but you wouldn't have, have needed dialogue. I think yeah, you could yeah, have yeah. had it where he, he's there's a gun over Maverick's head, someone's turned up from nowhere, perhaps, but then Rooster knocks him out and saves the day, and they carry on. Like yeah. It just needed something... To move it from, I think it was nice to go back into first gear with the comedy. And then it kind of went first, second gear, they're running across the base. Second gear, they're flying away. Okay. And then suddenly it's like, shit, now we're getting printed. <laughs> it's like they, it could have just upped the ante a bit more whilst they were on the ground still mm. to then give it an extra level. And mm. Drew's right, it can, when you cut a film dead and when you shift back into first gear, it's not always about kind of going from that energy straight into excitement again because it can be a bit much and it can actually take you out of the moment, I feel. like mm. It needed steps up rather than just kind of essentially taking off and hoping for the best. But it does. It, it comes to fruition. They all they all get home happily in the, in the end and they all go on to live happier after. He becomes that father figure for Miles. And kind of, whilst it is a little bit of a cliche, and do we feel like it ends on a note that is very much putting a stamp on Top Gun to never be seen again? Do we feel like yeah. they yeah, could be so. Yeah, they, I think so. They, because, I think the whole point in the movie where they're saying there are going to be drone pilots, there are going to be drones and pilots won't be needed anymore, they're, it, it, yeah, it's, I think they've they've made it clear that this isn't a potential franchise about fighter pilots, it is a two-movie story about a singular fighter pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and are like, we happy about that? Yeah, I, I, am, I definitely. Mean, I they definitely for me redeemed the first one. I would now probably go back and score the first one a better like thing, and I will love watching the second one. You know, maybe as well as the first one now. Like mm. so, it's done a good job for me. Mm. Like in in redeeming the first one for me, but uh, yeah, it's a wonderful film. Yeah, so. Gonjo, yeah. I, the only the the final thing that I would want to point out is that um, they at the end he's fixing up an old is it P fifty two Mustang I think yeah the plane um, and I wonder if that's a nod if that's um, the type of plane that his father would have been flying in Korea when he was mm. shot yeah. down or something and the, that was never made explicit but I was like oh is that is that that is plausible that that could be a plane that his father would have flown yeah. and given that fatherhood is a theme in the first one a bit mm. and legacy in things but they don't make a great deal of it and then this one 
they don't make a great deal of it in this one either. It is still about the action and the flying, mm. but they give it just that little, that scoosh, that tiny little bit more weight, and I really liked that. So I think let's kind of hang on. So we talked about legacy and whatnot. The my final question to you both before we wrap up is. Other than money, of course, which is why ultimately any movie is made. <laughs> why was this movie made now, do you think? What was the purpose <laughs> behind the production other than to make money? If there was to be something, what would what have you taken away from this movie as a sequel to Top Gun? Probably, like, something about the drone stuff. Like, you know, the... You, I don't know. I, I don't. What do you think, Drew? My pithy answer is that this movie has been made now because <laughs> Tom Cruise has enough clout in the industry to convince people to let him fly fighter jets <laughs> yeah, yeah. off of an aircraft carrier and be filmed doing it for real. That's. I think that's what's behind it. He fucking wanted to have an excuse to be paid a lot of money to f- be in fighter jets. And yeah. that's fine. And luckily... They've, it paid off. Yeah, it's paid off in a big, big way, and it they they've managed to they've managed to do what I try to do with my sequels and usually fail at, which is take any significant emotional beats from the first one, and ex- and sort of dive into that a little bit more, which they do, and but also they have cracking action, and some moving performances and I I welled up at the end and some proper chest thumping heart in mouth moments absolutely fantastic what's anything to add? no yeah that's I literally <laughs> yeah I, I loved it loved it, the, some of the callbacks to the original I like the scene with Val Kilmer we didn't talk about that oh yeah that was yeah Iceman dies th- at the halfway point of the movie and it's yeah, very sad yeah but like seeing Val Kilmer <laughs> back obviously with the health issues he's had but like yeah. seeing him in the movie was really nice uh yeah and i would thoroughly recommend it go see it um they did a good job yeah as a sequel they really have really really have to i'd say from Matt. a movie perspective from a to to give yourself a reason to watch it that you know makes you feel like you're not just giving them the money i do feel like they they very cleverly pull at strings and pull it threads for the Maverick character and mm. they really they're not afraid to highlight the problems in his character. Even at the end of the movie, like you don't really see any character journey for him in that first movie. And you certainly don't see a character redemption yeah. at the end of the movie. Other than he gets the respect of Iceman and what have you. So I think that they, they saw the flaws and they saw the problems with that character and they don't hide from it. They show he's very much still that person at the beginning of the film, but they do give him a real nice, they put a very nice bow on his character and they put a very nice kind of stamp on that. He, he has grown up in this two hours and 11 minutes and you know, the, the people he's in the respect he's he respects other people a lot more. I think that's something that isn't necessarily hammered home, but I feel like he respects other people a bit more at the end. And yeah, you it is his story, but you get to follow it and you do see some great developments through that through the film. So there you have it. It is it's it goes without saying, it's an epic. It is yep. gonna live very well for a very long time. We're gonna be talking about this movie for years to come. Certainly some of the cinematography is just epic. Spectacular. So Get your asses over to your local cinema, your movieplex, 
Um, if you watch it in IMAX or 4DX, please let us know if you vomited because <laughs> honestly, I'm not going to put myself yeah. through it. I genuinely feel like my vertigo will make me sick. <laughs> um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the movie. As always, you know where to find us. Sequel Pitch Podcast on all your social medias. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Drop us any ideas that you got. If we were going to make a third film, what would you want to see from a third Targon <laughs> movie? Who knows? Maybe one day we'll tell you what we don't want to see, but we would expect to see from I a mean, third Targon movie. It'll be a good challenge. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, if for some reason you have listened to this episode before listening to our sequel pitch episode for Top Gun, get your butts over to there and find out how were we anywhere near? I don't know. Probably not. Were we? <laughs> were, were our sequel ideas better? Again. Probably not from an epic action perspective, but maybe we had a bit more character. Who knows? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And with that, it is goodbye from Ross. Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, sorry, I'm <laughs> It's goodbye from Drew. Goodbye, everybody. And I cannot wait to come to your ears every other week very soon when I return to Sequel Pitch. It is goodbye for now from Matt. Thanks ever so much, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.